This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by ComicBookClick.com. That's it, people. ComicBookClick.com is the one stop for all things Comic Book Click, our merchandise, our articles, and every single episode of the Major Issues Podcast. Visit ComicBookClick.com and remember, you, yes, you are worthy. Everybody out there in comic book land, my name is George Serrano, aka The Don, and if you're listening to this, you can only be here for one reason, and it's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you by ComicBookClick.com, and as always, I'm never alone. Sir, please introduce yourself. I don't even know who I am anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm Dan the Comic Book Man, but I don't know. Uh, Dan the Comic Book Man with Identity Disorder has arrived, and we are here to tackle a staple of the Major Issues podcast, the Witches Worst series. You had um, remarked, this is what, our seventh? Yep. Lucky number number seven, seven. or unlucky number seven, depending on how you look at it. Um... And before we raise our swords and shields and go to battle for the defenseless, <laughs> um, we would be remiss if we didn't take a second to talk about the news that broke this weekend, which was the passing of Chadwick Boseman from colon cancer, stage four colon cancer, which he was um, diagnosed with almost half a decade ago and still managed to put out great performances all over Hollywood in, in you know, large scale His films, small scale MCU skills. run and it, yeah. it, it just boggles my mind how this man was a real life superhero i i feel like you you know um if you go back and now you watch his interviews and stuff everything is painted with a new you know tint because of course you know his his pure emotion seeing how much his roles have affected people also has to be dovetailed with the idea of him knowing he won't be here for long um it, the, like it, it's kind of something somebody would say as a joke, right? The idea, like you're working, like you're not going to be here in five years. And he literally was, and that's what he was doing. He was ki- killing, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't say killing himself, but I'm saying like just pushing himself to the brink while receiving therapy for this fucking disease, man, cancer, man. Like, how the hell we all we're sitting here arguing about masks and shit, and there's still big bads in this world that we need to take down and. They, you know, this year has just been the Superman four of years. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, it just like when I heard the news, when this broke, I was shocked. I didn't want to believe it. I thought it was some sort of um, joke, a hoax, the idea that he would have a disease for this long and we wouldn't know. I selfishly wish I knew so that I could have spent the time better. But that doesn't really make sense, does it? I knew there was something wrong with him. I knew it. I knew it when he dropped that picture of on Jackie Robinson Day with the with the Jackie Robinson forty two hat, and his neck was skinny, and his face looked like it was hugging his bones. I knew in my heart there was something wrong. That was not a role, but I, I knew that was not for a role. The thing is, um, you know, when something like this happens, 
the first thing that I thought was like, man, like I said before, you know, if I would have known, maybe I would have taken more account. Maybe I would have paid more attention. Maybe I would have. But that's life, ain't it? Like, treat everyone like they're dying. <laughs> treat everyone yeah, like literally. like they have five years left in this world. Um, because you don't know. You don't know what what could you imagine if you could walk around and you had the ability to see how much longer people had on this earth that's a fucked up superpower like the level of empathy would increase and at a time like now we definitely need that um so if you didn't mind mr dan the comic book man i wanted to do a five second moment of silence for the king let's go all right uh t'challa rest in peace It's a hell of a loss, um, and I don't want to – this is me being candid. I am not interested in any sequel talk. <laughs> I am not interested nope. in any replacement nope. talk. I don't nope. think the man has been buried yet. Um, so Dude, The body's not even – the body's still warm. So it's like it's like something great was taken from us. I need it. I definitely need to grieve that before I'm able to even consider – like I, I did you see the backlash screen rant posted a, a, a article like that night talking about what they could do for Black Panther 2 and people ripped them to shreds. They're like, what Bro, are you doing? <laughs> like, seriously, the body's still warm, man. The body's not even cold yet. Listen, I, I, I personally think it'd be brilliant if Cherie or Okoye was you know, a new Black Panther, but I don't give a shit right now, bro. We lost, we lost literally the greatest black actor of our modern generation. That man, what that man did for, for young black boys in cinema will never be touched again. Right. And especially this time now, this turmoil, this turmoil now, you know, um, that everybody's going through where everyone seems so divided. Um, he, he brought people together and now I, you know, I said it in the group chat, but that portal scene, now has a whole nother like that's how i want to be greeted in heaven i want the portal to open and to charlie to walk out <laughs> and be like uh this is no place for you here you know it's crazy man he he was literally visiting kids with cancer in hospitals yeah. while fighting cancer can you imagine can you imagine having to tell these kids that everything will be great knowing that you're not getting better yeah yeah and, and he believed what he said to those kids. He, he didn't say it just to say. He believed those kids will, will win their fight. And he lost his. And you got to think that had he taken the diagnosis a different way, you know, had he uh, had a different perspective on it. I mean, it definitely, I mean, it, it, it's a literal death sentence, you yeah. know, and th there is a part of the human psychology that will just shut down. Upon receiving news like that, what do you do? What can you do? And the idea that he felt that he can, he still was valuable, and that he still had the talents that God gave him, and it was his responsibility to he give gave it to us, us all of these roles yeah. while suffering from cancer. And that's why I'm saying that he, he tells that now to then the children. You know, like it's not it, it's not the defining trait of you. It's you not know? the end of the world. You still yeah. have more to go, and you, you know, still have your no world. place to die. You still no, have your world, them that. and you still um, there's still good you can do in it. So in general, you know we'll miss him. Um, I don't know when the next time I'm going to be talking about like oh, what's going to happen with Black, uh, but 
Yeah, man. Like, we're definitely going to miss we it. We have our phase of the MCU. I think everything that happened in those first four phases should just stay in those first four phases. It's All it's going to do is just keep bringing up more heartbreak. Because, you know, you have in-universe all of these dead Avengers superheroes. And now in the real world, we have a real dead Avengers superhero. I just think that the MCU just needs to take a break for now. Just, just take your break. Just, you know, you had a great decade run. But just... I I can't put myself into the MCU right now after what happened with Bozeman because I was believing that I was going to get a trilogy with this man. Yeah, and he was I he was a very prominent member of those films. Yeah. Well, I watched Black Panther the, the, the night he died. Just it soaked into the magic and atmosphere of this movie that he that he did while them. he was while he was suffering all that weight that well, he gained then, for the muscle, yeah. all the choreography for the battle scenes. Um, all of that, you know. Well, now it makes sense that he can't get bigger than what I mean, what he would either wanted to or what you would expect him to get. Right. Because really, he was pretty. I wouldn't say he was like you know, beach muscle, like bodybuilder big, but he still had had enough muscle where it didn't even look like he was sick. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where some of that, um, you know, some of the cognitive dissonance came because we're looking at the man and he doesn't look like he's sick, um, and then he passes away. Uh, we also lost a another giant, um, the voice of Cyclops, eh, of Cyclops on X Men, the animated series. Norm Spencer passed away uh, just yesterday. Yeah. There goes my childhood. And so, like, I, it was, it, you know, it was crazy. Um, the the gentleman who plays Wolverine on the show was uh, he gave like a pretty um, stunning tribute, and then you got Michael B. Jordan doing tributes to Chadwick. It's just. You you really we really can mean more than we think we can in this world to people if we choose to if we choose to engage and change the world and and try to make things better and no one's gonna do it overnight it, these are all little changes uh, if everyone does a little change right if everyone contributes a little bit of goodness then the world could end up being a better place and I know that's hard to think right now in the midst of all the political unrest in the midst of literal uh, deadly virus outside but. Um, it it goes to show you that you have to be grateful, you have to be mindful, and you have to appreciate everything that goes on around you because you don't know. Nothing's guaranteed and you don't know. And I know that's something so cliche, but we get reminded that every time someone um, that's loved or beloved uh, passes away. So, um, yeah, it's absolutely, it's absolutely shocking. And I hope things uh, things can still pick up. But he, uh, Chadwick, has already done his voice acting for the Marvel What If series. I don't know oh, if you that's remember. Oh, that's going to break my goddamn heart. Once I hear his voice, that's going to break my heart. I don't know if you remember, but this is going to be an episode of T'Challa becoming Star-Lord. So, yeah. um, uh, uh, he, he's done that. So that's his actual last MCU role. Um, damn, so it's going to be a posthumous. Damn. Yep. But, but, uh, you know, that aside, this was supposed to be our New Mutants weekend. (laughs) This was supposed to be our New Mutants episode, but um, there's still no theaters open in New York City in the five boroughs that I know of. Um, I know some people were able to see it upstate, and I think Jersey might be opening up theaters soon. But, uh, yeah. Another thing is um, the initial... Um, 
feedback, I guess. Yes, yes. Their initial reactions is not great. Yeah, no. Listen, in 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 the time of you know Black Lives Mattering and police needing to be defunded, and in the times of you know being more socially conscious to your neighbor, I don't feel like sitting through yet another mutant movie with racism. I'm just, I just, I don't feel like sitting through another one. And now this one's even more blatant. I saw some clips. Some blonde chick was calling this Native American girl uh, running water or some shit like <laughs> running that. Water. Running Running right. tribe or something. Right, right. Telling her, hey, don't you people love buffalo wings? Like, what was, what, how, that doesn't even make sense because buffalo wings didn't even exist at the time of Native Americans. <laughs> but the thing is, first of all, buffalo wings aren't made from buffaloes. Second of no, all, it's chicken. <laughs> second of all, um, like, I, it, you totally could have told the story about a bunch of kind of xenophobes, right? A bunch of people who don't trust outsiders. Um, there's no reason for Denny to trust anyone anyway. You understand what I'm saying? So she could have been just as racist back, but you have to get to a point where people understand that they have more similarities than differences. That's you have to overcome those things. Yes. You, you go from, you go from Iron Man telling Thor that, you know, he's wearing his mother's drapes to him respecting him. You know, you can, you can tell those jokes in the beginning. So long as at the end, everything comes up, but it seems and even, and even in the end when it goes full circle, you still get, Hey, that's a mean swing point break. You know, like you still right. get the point break password and, in uh, Thor 3. Right. It's earned. It's earned. I saw those videos from Twitter and I'm just like, nah, nope, I can't. I, we are in a very, very critical time of our lives between like actual viruses and then social justice. I'm not down to watch two hours of racism. I just can't do it today. <laughs> um, can't. It, it's also in general, people are not saying it's anything spectacular, which is a, a it's tragic because this ex franchise man now officially has more bad films than it does good oh um, no this is this is officially has become like the, the most <laughs> this is for to for being successful it's one of the most unsuccessful comic book franchise these have more i think there's more bad movies here than dc yeah yeah like x-men has what for uh united in first class and logan and you could do it. You could throw X one in there if you want to. Fine, for, all right, for... fine. X one, X two, Logan, and First Class. Yeah. And you know, Days of Future Past. I actually like. Yeah, you could throw Days of Future, Days of Future Past. Past in there as well. But yeah. that's five out of twelve films. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We've officially hit the point of the halfway. Um, you know, they 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 because are, the, there's more bad the than good. Literally, the last three X Men films in a row, terrible. Yeah. Last three in a row, Apocalypse to now, terrible. And the day where we will defend those bad films will be coming, oh, Dan. Oh, no. Will be why, coming. Why? You make me but, cry already. But tonight, or yeah, tonight, <laughs> we are going to defend it. Two DC films that we, uh, you know, you had talked about DC films not doing all too well. Some people call these franchise killers. Some people call these the worst of the worst. But I, I truly almost thought that we got here. I had to think for a second. I truly almost thought, yo, did we really, like, get to the main event of <laughs> bad comic book movies? Are we here? You know, it's funny. I don't think we are. I, I no, If, if no, you really. ask me, I think that these are – these have become the kid in class you pick on. But it's not oh, the yeah. worst kid the in class. Fruit. This is like yeah. the low-hanging fruit. 100%. Yeah. And they're not, they're not 100% great. But I've, I've – like, I've felt – 
less emotion watching worse films um, yeah. that were made in comic book things. I know Greg right now, if he's listening to this, he's just yelling Supergirl over and over and over again. Oh, Electra was a chore. Electra was Ele- pretty freaking bad, man. Electra was a chore. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't feel like watching Superman Four was a chore. Yeah, this yeah. Electra was a chore. <laughs> like, uh, but today, yeah, just to let everyone know, today we're pitting Superman Four against Batman and Robin in a battle to find out which one was the actual worst film. Um, with DC fandom right around the corner, and you know, new Batman and Superman content is right around the corner uh we have to look back at the franchise you know where, where they stopped off where the train uh was derailed for both of these characters because after these respective films neither character gets a movie for quite some time um and we have to think it's because of the poor performance of these films but just like uh every which is worse we are here to defend the defenseless and talk about uh, why you should give these films another chance. Dan the Comic Man, do you know whether or not you want to go first? <laughs> should we uh, flip a coin? You know what? Yeah, let's let's flip a coin. I'm going to use my AI. Hey, Google. Oh, wait, you got to call something, don't you? Um, I'll call Tails. Tails? Wow, look, she's being ridiculous. Hey, Google, flip a coin. Wow, Superman is first. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I chose Superman 4 because I hadn't seen Superman 4 in a very long time. And I just felt like I know Batman and Robin almost like the back of my hand. When Batman and Robin came out, I was five. So it's one of those films that we just had around the house that you just play over and over and over again. Um, but my history with Superman, especially Christopher Reeve's Superman, is a bit light. Uh, before starting Comic Book Click and before moving forward with all this stuff. Um, so, Superman 4, Quest for Peace, was released on July 24th of 1987. Uh, and it was directed by Sidney J. Furry, I want to say. <laughs> yeah, it's Furry. It is Furry, furry. right? <laughs> I said the same thing. <laughs> with a budget of $17 million, it grossed $37.7 million. Not great, but making its money back. Um, and it had a Rotten Tomato score of 11%. So I was not 100%. Holy uh, shit. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't 100% behind the same, behind the same score then. Yeah. Uh, or, yeah, they're both pretty damn bad. Um, so let's get into this plot real quick before I get into what you guys can actually like about this film and why it's a better film than Batman and Robin. So Superman, played by the incomparable Christopher Reeves, saves a spaceship spaceship of cosmonauts whose ship was thrown off course by debris, then visits his hometown of Smallville as Clark. Now that his adoptive parents have died, Clark has inherited their now unattended farm. In an empty barn, he uncovers the capsule that brought him to Earth and removes a luminescent green Kryptonian energy module. A recording left by his mother, Laura, states that the power can only be used once. After refusing to sell the farm to a mall developer, Superman returns to Metropolis, where he stops a runaway subway train after the conductor collapses at the controls. That was a pretty funny scene. <laughs> but anyway, after returning to the Daily Planet, Clark learns that the paper has been taken over by David Warfield, a tabloid tycoon who fires Perry White and hires his own daughter Lacey as the new editor. Lacey takes to liking Clark and tries to seduce him. Clark agrees to go on a date with her. 
following the news that the United States and the Soviet Union may engage in a nuclear arms race, Clark is conflicted about how much Superman should intervene. After receiving a letter from a concerned schoolboy, Superman travels to the Fortress of Solitude to seek advice from the spirits of his Kryptonian ancestors. They recommend that he let Earth solve its own problems or seek new worlds where war have been, has been outlawed. After asking for advice from Lois Lane, Superman attends a meeting in the United, United Nations General Assembly, announcing to the Assembly that he would rid the planet of nuclear weapons. Various nations fire the nuclear weapons into space, which are collected by Superman into a giant net and thrown into the sun. <laughs> it's just really hard to read that with a straight face. Bro, but you know what? I won't lie. This movie was fun. Yeah, it was. Everything uh, everything up to that point and then beyond, it just, it was fun. It I actually like think chore. right before Nuclear Man, you know, bad uh, special effects and dodgy oh, editing aside um i think before nuclear man it's a solid film i found myself no, agreeing really with the message i found myself really digging too. clark um and we'll get into that in a second uh but we have to talk about young lenny luther played by john crier showing up in the I film i can't believe john crier dragged himself into this well i mean dragged himself he probably begged for this right in 1987 bro, bro what it, it, in 1987, he just did Pretty in Pink. Right. So, yeah. And he's, and he's basically that character. <laughs> so, damn. Wow. My man went from John Hughes to fucking Lex Luthor. Like, all right. So, John Cryer got a really nice career, I guess. Yeah. It's it's so poetic that he's playing Luthor on Supergirl right now. That, I was just thinking about that. Wait a minute. Isn't Doesn't this come full circle for him? Yeah. He's Lenny like, Luthor, which I'm guessing Lenny might be short for either Leonard or Lionel. Which is also, you know, that's that's his An father's name. Comic book character. That's his father's name. Lex's father's name is uh, Lionel Luther. Lionel Luther. That's weird. Um, yeah. yeah, that's so great that it comes full circle for Cryer that now he's playing Lex Luther himself. Yep. And so him in all his eighties uh, <laughs> glory breaks out his uncle. Hey, Lex. Uncle Lex. Yeah, Uncle Lex. <laughs> he's doing that like uh, surfer accent, yeah, say, like, like the Valley Girl surfer kind of thing. Which is kind of confusing, but whatever. It is what it is. Um, yeah, he breaks his uncle Lex Luthor, played by Gene Hackman, out of prison. He actually traps a bunch of cops in a car and throws it off a cliff. But <laughs> returning to Metropolis, Lex and Lenny steal a strand of Superman's hair from a museum and create a genetic matrix. Which I actually like this scene. I thought that if this was done, if this could have been done a little bit well, this might have been like a really good. Would have I also solid think they could have done well. I also think he might have cut the apparatus holding the hair, not the actual That's, hair. No, he didn't, freaking... the, no he didn't cut the hair. Because everyone, because that's the whole thing everyone was saying, right? Like, oh, how the hell you can cut Superman's indestructible hair with no, a thing? No, he one 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 side of the hair was tied onto like a metal, and, yeah, like a metal ring, and so he cut the yeah, yeah. I yeah, think he, at least I you don't have know. to get the hair out of there if you if you ever need. But my only thing is, how are you gonna cut the hair of a what was that like ten pound boulder? And it makes no sort of, like, hole in the ground, makes no sort of dent, like, yeah. the ground didn't shake. Bro, you literally cut a, well, the funniest, a ton thing drop. The funniest scene is them showing up in the museum and him, like, okay, uh, keep guard. And he just smashes the, <laughs> he just smashes the whole exhibit with, a, with his um, bolt cutters. <laughs> like, it's not like one of those things where they cut the circle out and remove it with a suction cup. He just smashes it and takes the, takes the hair. Um... He uses it to create a genetic matrix, which Lex attaches to a, new, a U.S. nuclear missile. After the missile is test launches, Superman intercepts it and throws it into the sun. 
A glowing ball of energy is discharged, which develops into a superhuman. This nuclear man, played by Mark Pillow, makes his way back to Earth to find his father Lex, who his father Lex, <laughs> who establishes that while his creation is powerful, he would deactivate without exposure to sunlight. A vicious battle ensues between Lex's creation and Superman. And while saving the Statue of Liberty from falling into the streets of New York, Superman is infected with a radiation sickness by a scratch from Nuclear Man's radioactive claws. Nuclear Man kicks Superman into the distance with such strength that Superman's cape falls off. To Lois's disgust, the, Sup the Daily Planet, which has been reformatted as a tabloid newspaper, publishes the headline, Superman Dead. Lois indicates a desire to quit and seizes Superman's recovery cape for herself. Lacey is also upset and reveals to Lois that she cares for Clark. Lois ventures to Clark's apartment where she proclaims her love for Superman. Felled by radiation sickness, Clark staggers to his terrace where he retrieves the Kryptonian energy module and attempts to heal himself. Having developed a crush on Lacey, Nuclear Man threatens mayhem if she is not brought to him. The newly restored Superman agrees to take him to her to prevent anyone from being hurt. Superman lures Nuclear Man into an elevator car, trapping him inside, and then depositing it on the far side of the moon. As the sun rises, Nuclear Man breaks free due to the sliver of sunlight through the crack in elevator doors, and Superman is again forced to defend himself. At the end of the battle, it appears as though Superman has been defeated, as he is driven into the moon's surface by Nuclear Man. Nuclear Man forces his way into the Daily Planet and abducts Lacey, carrying her into outer space. <laughs> How she sorry, dies beyond sorry, me. sorry. Superman manages to free himself from the moon's surface, then pushes it out of its orbit, casting Earth into an eclipse, nullifying Nuclear Man's powers and leaving <laughs> Lacey helpless in space. Superman rescues Lacey and returns to returns her to Earth, and then recovers Nuclear Man, who is now lifeless, and deposits him into the core of a nuclear power plant, destroying him. What had been Nuclear Man becomes electrical power for the electrical, the entire electrical grid. Perry White secures a loan to buy a controlling interest in the newspaper, making David Warfield a minority shareholder and protecting the paper from any further takeovers. In a press conference, Superman declares only partial victory in his campaign, saying there will be peace when the people of Earth want it so badly that their governments have no choice but to give it to them. Superman also recaptures the fling Luthers. He places Lenny in Boys Town, telling the priest that Lenny has been uh, under a bad influence, and then he returns Lex to prison and does his trademark fly around the world and a wink to credits. Now, do you want to uh, start stabbing this film, or do you want me to start defending it first? Okay, listen. First of all, first of all, you can't even get John Williams. To, you can't even get John <laughs> leave, Williams. Leave no, Alexander no, no, no. Courage get, alone. You couldn't even get John Williams. Not only could you not get John Williams, but you got somebody that doesn't even sound like he has uh, even one-tenth of the talent John Williams has. That's That score was just so... I disagree. All the motifs were there. The Superman song was there. The Lois Lane song was there. Okay, okay. And, yeah, and, sure. and... Let's play all the greatest hits. Let's and, play all the greatest hits and bring no new life to the score. Oh, trust me. I'm going to get there with mine. But the thing is... I'm really upset but about the thing these scores is, lately. But the thing is, John Williams composed three new themes for this. Uh, one for Lacey, one for um, the little boy who writes the letters, and one for Nuclear Man. And Alexander Courage adopted those themes for this film. So, what was even that little boy scene? What was the what was the whole point of that to set us up for Nuclear Man? No, so the entire so Man. this is the thing. Superman, I think, in in modern uh, storytelling, has become too big of a like 
you know, like all his stories are so huge. These big lights from the sky, these terraforming and, and codexes and all this other stuff. When when you build, boil it down to it, a little boy is able to get to him. You don't need a big, bad, mustache-twirling villain on the uh, television saying, Bring me Kal-El or I will kill everyone and the skulls of the children will be what I step on. You don't need all that. What you need is a kid going, Man, if Superman really says he could help, he should probably get rid of nuclear weapons. And that's kind of sort of true. You know? It may be kind of sort of true, but we don't need, we don't need a little boy to get there. We, we could have, you could have Clark being plagued by new – he's a reporter. Why can't he just continue to, to like find all of this stuff that's plaguing him through his actual job of journalism? But the thing is I he would argue that he is. I would argue that he does because he's the one who sees all the news reports about the nuclear arms race. The way the little boy comes in, the little boy ends up being the straw that breaks the camel's back because – it's the sword and the stone. I, I get it. Mr. Mr. Snyder, Mr. Snyder didn't get it. You understand? Oh, here we go. Here we <clears> go. <throat> but this is a real tortured Superman. This is this a Superman really is, that, that can't make a decision because he has to choose between allowing humans the freedom to kill themselves <laughs> or and wanting to save them. Yeah, or disarming an entire planet by force to force world peace. And that's a hard fucking decision. That's a really hard because it's like having children. You can ensure they'll never do anything bad for the years you have them if you just lock the doors and don't let them go anywhere. But without that freedom of choice, are they really becoming better people? Or are they forced to become better people? And Superman, um, you, you saw how his people thought about it. They were like, yeah, oh, they, you should just go to another to planet. That. Just go to another yeah. planet that doesn't have water. Hubris. That was actually a brilliantly written line. So it's he was worried yeah. that that the the fate of the Earth was going to be that of Krypton. His his ancestor spirit said, "Okay." <laughs> it's like, what is the point of being the most technologically advanced, of being the the you know the 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 world leader in whatever? If at the end of the day we just blew ourselves up and we're not here anymore, so that's a tortured Superman. We literally had some of the same scenes in BVS of him sitting and watching the news with his fake ass eggs. And I didn't get the same gravitas. And that's because point blank period, Christopher Reeves is incredibly charming as Clark Kent and Superman. That's one of the things you cannot deny. No, he, he really is Superman. Like he may not be specifically my Superman, right. but I did grow up with him. I grew up with him. I did love him. I do love those movies, no matter what. So, and yeah, when um when he went to Fortress of Solitude and he was talking to his ancestors and he was like, he wanted to interfere. He wanted to to remove them from the fucking the arms races, and they were telling him no. Yeah, it felt it felt more compelling than anything Snyder did give me. It's crazy. I will say it. It made it made me smile to hear him talk Russian and Italian. That he's yep. a world hero. That really made me happy. I was like, I don't know and, why. And it's such a little Dan thing. Lois was speaking French. He's like, yes. hey, what did you have time to speak French? Like uh, to learn French? It's like it's funny. There's a lot of funny moments, but also, did, <laughs> did, did, did I love I, how you just switch on. on a dime? <laughs> you just. <laughs> I saw. I've seen Superman too. Right. I love Superman 2. Superman 2 is one of the best, probably the best Superman movie. But that's movie. because it has the best villain. I would say it has the best villain. 
Which is but odd. didn't Lois know Superman was Clark by the second movie? Yeah, but then he kissed her and he made her forget. That was what that kiss was. Yeah, man. Then they do it again. They do it again here. He pulled the Xavier. They do it again here, where he just wants her, wants to talk to her for a little bit, I guess. <laughs> so he tells her that he's Superman, and then he just erases her memory. He's like, "Oh, that was fun. Well, now you could forget." But how does he? Why does man? I, that's why it was just it was frustrating me the entire movie. The entire movie, I'm just like, bro, how are we still here? Didn't she notice that he was Clark? How are we still here? Why are we still doing this arc? And you know what's funny? Like, I like it's it's so it's such a shame how quote unquote what's cool has changed so much about Superman because I think part of the endearing nature of Christopher Reeve's performance is his physical comedy as Clark. Like, yeah, that's what really sells that. Oh, this guy's just a bumbling idiot. Like when he that guy, like a yeah, idiot. when that guy throws the ball at the, at the, at the farm, he's like, Oh, come on. Let's, let's, let's play. I don't know. Stickball or whatever the hell. And he throws it and Clark not only strikes out, but like falls on his ass. Like, Whoops. I guess I can't hit a baseball. And I was like, See, that's the, be- no, that's beautiful, <laughs> subtle storytelling. Right. That I actually do appreciate about these old Christopher Reeve Superman movies. It's like, if he wanted to, he could literally crack that baseball into the next galaxy. Through, through you. He could hit it, and it could go through you like a bullet. And it would all be Dude, over. he doesn't even have to hit it with a bat. All he has to do is backhand it with his actual hand. Yeah. And he will decimate that baseball. But, you know, he, he has to stick to that, to the certain mild manner reporter thing. And it's great. Like, when he goes into the hotel... To pick up uh, Lacey and, and he's Lois, having pratfalls. Yeah, he's just yep. pratfalling. Oh, I'm things. so sorry. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. What happened? Oh my god, I'm so sorry. He gets taken <laughs> off by the luggage, the luggage cart. Uh, let me go get. Let me go get some towels. Let me just go get some towels real quick. Like it's just it, stumbling it and fumbling, and and he he yeah. he his his uh, posture is different as Clark. Like all of it, he literally does these subtle things to his voice and to his posture. You where, see his shoulders like hunched over. He's always like nervous. He's always pushing his glasses. He talks back in a up. little bit of a higher pitch when he, like, well, Miss Lovis, you know, like he, he he talks in a in a geekier way to seem less uh, intimidating, and that really works. He has a heart to heart kind of conversation with the guy who's trying to buy his farm. You know, he's like, not for nothing, but I want this was a farm of that I was raised on. I want to sell it to farmers. And I'm like, that's a, such a small thing, but it's so, like, so good, like, like good natured that I'm like, where, where has this been? You know, it's so cool. Everything's about being cool. But man, I wish being good was cool <laughs> again, you know, like it was when Reeves was around. Um, I also yeah, he brought something new. I also, really you know, something I, new. I, I sat there and I gave you one thing you can't deny about Christopher Reeves being incredibly charming. I have another one. Are you ready? It's, I want to yeah. see you try to fight this. This film has the least problematic Lex Luthor in Superman film history. Yeah, I, oh, wait, is this a good thing? Yes. The is least problematic? The least? Yes. Yep. This is the one that no, that people didn't outright hate. This is the one that didn't outright diddle kids. This is the one <laughs> that people think about. Oh, you're talking about the actor about. Hackman. Yes. This is the least problematic Lex Luthor in Superman because film history. Okay, now I understand what you're saying. Okay, because he was the most accurate Lex Luthor in film history. Besides the hair thing, he should have cut his hair. I don't know what's up with that whole. He really should have. He really should have cut his hair. I think it was a Gene Hackman thing at this point, but he really should have cut his hair. That's my my, that's my my problem with it. Uh, What what other? Nuclear Man is bad. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you, Nuclear Man is bad. But Nuclear Man 
is a car- is a caricature. Nuclear Man is a is a is, uh, is an analogy almost. You know, he's Zack like Snyder's he's, favorite villain. <laughs> he's also like just nuclear war, right? Like he's literally, he's literally the um, amalgamation of every warhead in the world. So he's just like this this stand-in for nuclear war, um, the arms race, etc. Uh, it it's was just, weird. There was so much potential for a better fight in this movie to for it to just be. I don't know uh, because the because of the damn because of the damn budget. This is a canon film. Like, canon is known for their C and D level schlock. So, like, it's a miracle a semi-competent film was even able to be made with all the penny-pinching and the studio interference. Like, That's this is true. still a Superman movie. $11 million, bro? $11 million. $11 million? Bro. What are you supposed to do with that? What are you supposed to do? Get Out had a higher budget. Well, I don't know. if it Was it 11 or 13? 17. Okay, 17. That's a couple more. But still, you, you understand what I'm saying here. And I That's think crazy eleven million dollars to make a Superman movie. No wonder why this movie had no special effects and editing was good. Like it was, it was really bad. Into like once you get to that final act, uh, you just see all of the inconsistent edits. Like all right, here, <laughs> the, for fly, example, the flying forward <laughs> shot that they use over and over and over again. Oh my god! No, what 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 had me restart the the scene twice was when he's at the Great Wall of China. And he <laughs> saves these two people, and he puts them back on the top yeah. of the Great Wall of China. And next thing you know is that the cut was supposed to be him flying up because you literally see him to put his arm in the air to fly up. Next thing you know, bricks are being built on the Great Wall of China, and he's standing on the ground. Yeah, with, his laser, with his laser I'm like, vision. I'm like, what was that? edit what was the the whole last half i'm just yeah the nuclear like i said like i said the nuclear man stuff i think is the worst stuff in this but even when you would think like the sitcom trope of i'm on two dates like i i didn't mind that i really didn't mind that whole whole, two date thing with him and with him being like yeah him and lacy and and, uh and lois um i I, I felt like i was just entertained by that you know what i i see with this movie is this movie has a lot of joy for having no life. It's yes. a lifeless yeah. but joyful movie. There's a lot of things to enjoy and love about it, but yeah, there really is no life. There's no heartbeat. There's no co- There's not even a color palette. I think like, I, I I think that the heart um and this goes back to what I was saying before. I I think that almost all of it like if you if you took this film and you boiled it down for its purity, you would still have a likable protagonist. You would still have a just cause. You would still have, I guess, debatable music. <laughs> but you know, like all of this is a level of familiar familiarity. Am I saying that right? That that allows you to enjoy it. You know, it it remind. It's not exactly what you remember of the best of Superman, but it still resembles what you remember. Of well, this still has a this still has uh, some sort of Superman heart to it. Like you can still, you know, this is a Superman movie. There's a lot of angles in here that give the personification of Superman's lore. And Ducky is his name, right? Isn't that his name, Ducky? <laughs> uh, Lenny Luther. Um, Ducky. Jesus he, Christ. He is ridiculous on the face of it, but he's there to be the comedic relief. And he also doesn't have that much screen time, so right. he's practically harmless. It's not like someone made him a super suit. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, you get, no, you get, it's not like you get what I'm talking about. Nuclear man at the end. Because I got some things to talk about later on, but <laughs> Listen, but yeah, man, like 
<laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna find out um so <laughs> so yeah man like i i honestly believe and i have to go back again the same way i had to go back to this and and see with modern eyes uh what this film was i actually think the ball being dropped might be superman 3 with, no 100 uh, i actually never even seen remember i haven't seen that one or this one but of the trailer that you showed me of superman 3 and given <laughs> it's mostly that richard Pryor. <laughs> Then, given that I've read the synopsis, I kind of think this movie is better than Superman 3. Even I've watched Superman 3 just to prove that I know that this movie is probably better. Yeah, it's, a, it's mostly like a Richard Pryor. Who was vehicle. even the villain of Superman 3? What was it? It was a evil Superman or something? It was, yeah, well, I think he splits in half, and then at one point he becomes a robot. Like some robot becomes sentient See, at the end of that. Yeah, it's it's bad. So it's pretty maligned, freaking bad. Yeah. So, there's no heart, there's no joy or life in that one. So, so I was going to ask you this. Um, one of the staples of which was worse is the idea that we tried to disqualify, um, the opinions of past and future movies, but I don't think you can do that with these two. No. You understand what I'm saying? Because they're continuations of, supposedly continuations of the same narrative. And so, and the, and the worst narrative that they could be continuing. It's not like Batman and Robin was coming off of the heels of Batman Returns. This was coming off the heels of Batman Forever. Right. And I think that's what makes these two films different in my eyes. And that's what ultimately makes your film worse is because we had to, we had to bunt from, from uh, two strikes, you know? And we just got on base. But you had all the bases loaded and struck out. And I think that, that is, that's just unforgivable. Unfor- unforgivable. Dude, even Schumacher apologized for this movie. Yeah, yeah, he did. We'll get into even that. Even Schumacher <laughs> apologized. We'll get into that. Um, another thing is this story. Like I said again, the story is simple. Uh, it has a moral in it, and the story, in fact, was co-written by Christopher Reeves. So wow, I so I believe he might have actually like. So he believed he believed he had at the very least believed it. But you know, it's 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 a it's a, a relief to hear like a Superman wanting to be Superman. You know, the actor wants to be Superman, has the joy and wants to uh oh, put out yeah. good things. Yo, just knowing Christopher Reeves had something to do with that script, that's automatically to me and even um, it helps its cause. I even like the whole uh Daily Planet getting turned into a tabloid. I love that. I thought, wow, that's where we are, that's where this is what you call like development not character but world development yeah like if you look from superman one of clark first getting hired into the daily planet to superman four the daily planet being turned into some buzzfeed yeah it's it's great one it's relevant for small businesses newspapers dying small businesses taking over like there's in general is like always in, in trouble right like the printed word is always in trouble. It's always being phased out. So it's like that you get that. Yeah. So we're, we're totally not going to do this anymore. Like, all y'all guys do is blow Superman and we're not making any money off of that. So now we're going to make this a tabloid. And having Lois stand up, you know, and be like, I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, this is bullshit. Get, and also, this might be the only Lois Lane anything, movie, TV, comic, that she didn't have to ask some spelling for a word. Oh, yeah. Or misspell a word. I, I, I'm happy for that one. I love that she gets her request to like fly somewhere denied because like in all the movies she takes these extravagant trips just to do like stories and they pay for her they send her in a helicopter and all that kind of stuff and when they when the uh, new boss comes in Warhammer or whatever um, he's like no <laughs> like what do you mean no you're staying right here we're not you're not flying to Paris oh there goes my trip to Paris yeah well you thought this was <laughs> going over here on Penny White's dime 
uh, Perry White out of control. Perry White buying it at the end was cool, you know? And now I own it, and now you guys can't do nothing about it. Oh, that was awesome. Because I'm like, Yo, you know what it was? To me, it's, it's, uh, it's payoff. The yeah. reason why it's payoff is because in the begin- when you first see him, he's- he was talking about how there's a hospital takeover and things are going to get different. The third time, the second time you see him, he was leaving and he's like, I'm not going to take this lying down. And I'm a dickhead for me personally. I'm a dickhead for this one because when he said, I'm not going to take this lying down and he leaves the daily planet at like 11 in the morning. My initial head was, Oh, he's probably gonna go day drink. His, his sorrow. Oh, I thought he quit. I turned to my roommate and I was like, did he just quit? Did he just, did the editor just go, you know what? <laughs> I don't like I'm your practices. Here, like, I'm out of here. And he just, he grabbed his briefcase and he walked out. And I was like, yeah. I think Perry White just quit. Turns out he was doing a hostile takeover from the inside this whole time. He yeah, uh, like, sold his, his stock of Apple. Right there. He sold his eight, 1987 stock of Apple and <laughs> he uh, was able to buy back the, the planet. I like um, Lacey, Lacey Warhammer, whatever her name is. She uh, actually is awesome, new character. Yes. I don't know why, but she's pretty cool. Like, the idea, and I guess this is a lot more probably misogynistic or whatever, but, like, the idea that Clark would open his office and there's just a woman strewn da- on on his desk, like, laid out on his desk, like, hey, so you want to get something to eat? I'm like, oh, my God. And then his bumbling nature of not not getting flirting and all that kind of stuff, I thought that was really, really um, poignant. What had me was when she was telling her father that she actually cares about uh, Clark Kent. Yeah. And, and he goes, oh, dear, what have I told you about mingling with the help? Yeah. I said, what? He berates yo. her. He berates her. He's like, since when do you care about any of this stuff? I'm like, yo, but he called he called his workers the help. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yo. I, I no like, sort of. although, although the, the battle before it was kind of shitty, I like Superman's cape flying back down to the earth. And then them having it, I'm like, well, yeah, it's it kind of like directly inspired Spider Man Two. Yeah, that was like a whole Spider Man Two. Oh no, scene. she gave it to him, right? Uh, Lois ends up giving it to him. Yeah, Lois. Like, Lois gives it to him. Yeah, yeah. When he has, when he's losing his hair and, and dealing with the the radiation. <laughs> Bro, what the hell was going on? Yo, he looked like he was dying. He looked ghastly. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I don't like that they randomly cut to him taking the diamond out. That 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 power module, whatever the hell. So I was like, where is he? Is he back at the Fortress of Solitude? <laughs> Didn't he? There's a poignant moment where he takes the module and the, and the mother's like, hey, when you take this module, we'll be gone. Like, once you remove this. Yeah, I really don't understand what that module is. It's a really big green kryptonite, but what is it supposed to be like the entire I don't know like, if it's conscious, kryptonite. It, is this like supposed to be like how, um, oh, what was it? The consciousness of all the people of Krypton? In I think, one, or, or just the power. There's a lot. There's yeah, a I lot in this that. in these four movies. Just let it go. In these four movies, there's a lot of like powers taking away and powers giving. There's a lot of it. Machines that can take it away, machines that can give it. Because that's one of the things they like to do with Superman in general, I guess. Um, it's so crazy because I know I'm supposed to. I I knew I was supposed to be finding ways to 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 like you know drive the knife into this movie. Yeah. But and this scene, I I, I for some reason feel like if it was if this kind of scene, this kind of little um side plot of of uh, power sources and power modules and our people will be gone for everything if this was in any other movie that we were doing on which is worse that would be like my main event of making fun of i would just <laughs> right. relentlessly i mean it is it is a do, uh but doing here, ex machina I, you know he literally it, just gets him all his powers instantly of course you know 
But I don't know why. I just, I, I, I'm buying. I bought it. Yeah. I don't know. I can't explain why this movie. There's a lot of things about this movie that I really shouldn't be buying. But specifically here, I'm here for it. That's what I'm saying. I think I think it does have a level of charm that's undeniable, even though there's a rest of which is it's like I the reason why I'm stuttering and and so at a loss for words is because I didn't understand how far being charming could get you in a film. Like I was watching this film amazed at the idea that like I my eyes knows that that special effect is terrible. And my eyes right. knows that, right. that, that that looks like trash. But he's acting but his ass off. So I, I I I still, you know, it still holds a place in my heart. And I think now it's going to be one of those things that I look back on and I'm like, yeah, y'all don't know what y'all talking about. Go back and watch it. You know, no, y'all talking I, crazy. No, Go back 100%. and watch it. 100%. From, from this day forward, I'm going to be defending Superman 4. I'm going to actually, like, I, I know, I know with my heart the movie is not great. It's not the be-all, end-all. But there is so much here to love that if you just sit back and just soak up the atmosphere, don't look for things to nitpick. Don't look for, oh, but Superman would never do that. Oh, but that would never. Can't just, you know, put it down for a minute and actually watch this movie like I did. Because I, was, I went into this movie not knowing anything about it, ready to hate it. And five minutes in i'm like oh my god this might be one of the best superman openings (laughs) right and another thing is and i think this is another thing to the film's strength even though it's cut to ribbons the whole thing is an hour and a half yeah 100 percent. it's an hour and a half it's it it is so short that when we got to the last 20 minutes i'm like wait a minute hold on the movie's gonna yeah i I hit the controller to see the to see what the runtime was and i was like what (laughs) this is gonna be a snack this is gonna be easy peasy Oh, yeah, sorry. no, this this was this was literally probably the easiest movie I watched for which was worse. Yeah. Yeah. Um and so I think with that I stopped defending my my oh, really, really uh, oh, great no, film. But let's 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 talk about let's talk about some funny uh scenes in it, regardless. Now now that I've defended it, let's talk about some funny scenes. I thought it was absolutely ridiculous that whole car trapping the cops and then going off of a cliff and seemingly flipping and exploding and then the cops are still alive <laughs> I was like, yeah that what? went that went that went all over the place for no reason i was like this is out of control uh what else what else? i like i said i loved all the all the super aggressive flirting in the 80s with, with clark um i like the weird pettiness of lois oh i don't know if clark's gonna like Someone like you, you know, he's yo. He's, that was such a bad <laughs> bro. When she said, "I don't think Clark's gonna like someone like you," I had to pause for a second. I said, "Yo, Lois, what are you do? talking yo, crazy?" Lois. She's talking yo, crazy. Lois, you're a little mean, though. But that was me. I that's my biggest, my biggest, you know, s- sort of kind of um, the thing that's still that 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 I don't like about the film that also made me a bit sad uh, was, you know, Margot Kidder. I love Margot Kidder as Superman. But I also think that she was going through some things um, of various, you know. And so her, her physical appearance isn't great in this film. Uh, I, I think it's because of all the craziness that she was, you know, she ends up two years after this film. She ends up dealing with some major, major um, health struggles, uh, mental health struggles. Uh, she ends up getting diagnosed with bipolar disorder in '88, a year after. I, uh, bro, Mark. 
So yeah, if you I... watch those films, like this one is like she's incredibly made up. You know, um, they don't focus much on her. And I think she was, you know, I, I hate to knock somebody who has passed away, rest in peace. But I think she was uh, she had a drug addiction as well. Margot Kidder? Margot Kidder? Yeah. Yeah, Mar- Margot Kidder and uh, Carrie Fisher, they used to they used to, they used to do eight balls together. <laughs> what? Really? Bro, I'm telling you, bro, Mar- one, Carrie Fisher was a... I, I love Carrie Fisher with all my heart. Rest in peace to, to Princess Leia. But yeah. Carrie Fisher had a nasty cocaine addiction and so did Margot Kidder. I mean, they're two sides of the same coin almost, right? Yeah. Like, being held up on this pedestal by the sci-fi slash comic fans, um, literally blowing Even Margot up. Margot Kidder, the original, was one of the one of the OG scream queens with. Yeah. Am- she was in Amityville. She was in the original Amityville with 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 James Brolin. Like she's worked illustrious careers, and for it to all. And when I heard about the bipolar disorder and how it started flailing her health and, and the drug abuse, I'm like, damn. Like you were literally, you were. Oh man, Margot Kidder, bro. Rest in peace to one of the greatest actresses. She was quoted on saying, uh, we are all, each and every one of you in this place are a breath away from mental illness, homelessness, all these things we tend to look so down on. Um, yeah. Which is kind of sort of true. And um, her cause of death was ruled to be a self-inflicted drug and alcohol overdose. Yeah, yeah, man. She was... So, like, that's the only thing, like... Th- I would I would say that one of the other strengths of this film is the connection of Christopher Reeves and Margot Kidder. Even though that, that connection is there, I think it's the weakest of the four films. Um, you go – and again, I hate to – like I'm not trying to knock anyone down. But you go to um, Lois in Superman 1 and then go to Lois in Superman 4 and there's a distinct difference. And it's just a reminder of like how little we paid attention to – the uh, rampant drug use, the rampant, you know, mental, um, the rampant unchecked mental health, uh, problems that went on in Hollywood. And, you know, obviously there was also like, remember a lot of that stuff was like children, like getting children hooked on drugs and getting children, you know, mental health issues and all this Corey kind of stuff. Hayden died before he even got to live a full life. Yeah. Well, no, River Feldman, Phoenix. Feldman, sorry, Feldman. And River Phoenix, didn't he die? River Phoenix died at like what, like in his in his seventeenth, when his twenties. Yeah, so it's like, it, it, okay, it, John, uh, oh, what was his name from Stephen King's It? Uh, who? It wasn't River. The, the kid that played young uh, Georgie, not Georgie. In the original. Yeah, yeah, the original Stephen King It from nineteen ninety. There was a certain actor, and I'm trying to remember. He was a kid, and he died. Jonathan Brandis. Okay. Jonathan Brandis. That Damn. was his name. Poor kid. He was another kid that didn't get to see, like, more than what he could. Yeah, so with her, with her there, with it being the 80s, with all of that stuff, you know, um, going on, you, you then, again, just look at Reeves. And he's this paramount of professionalism. Even in this schlocky movie, you know, he's still radiant. He's still positive. He's still optimistic. And it still works because of him. And it's it's like, I look back at it and it's like a, a snapshot of that time period. Of, of, because I think a lot of the 90s, even though a lot of the 80s was drug use and, and uh, you know, 
rock and roll, hair metal, stuff like that. I think the 90s is when we truly start to lose our innocence. And that becomes um, a, a hindrance of the Superman character in general. You know, be in all from 1990 to 1999, to, you know, from from New Year's Day of 1990 to New Year's Eve of 1999, there's not a single Superman film put out. Yep. Not one because we just couldn't. 13 years. We not just one didn't have movie. we just didn't have a story for him. And while people might consider uh, Superman for the franchise killer, I did some research and it turns out that three was going to be the franchise killer. Three performed so bad that they sold the rights to Superman. Which is how we get this fourth film. Um, so it was That's already crazy. on, it was already limping, you know, it was already, uh, sick. And your prize horse already had a limp in it. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And so, you know, Christopher Reeves just took it to the glue factory, but it made sure it petted it and gave it the best day it had before it got there. And I think that that can't go unnoticed and can't yeah, go unmentioned. Want, when did, when did, um, Superman Man Returns come out? 2005? Six. 2006? Yep. So you're talking 19 years, not one Superman movie. Nope. Because he's just Superman not relatable, 4, bro. From Superman 4, 87 to Brian Singer, Superman Returns. And when push not- comes to shove, what do they do when they re- when they bring him back? They go back they to the well. <laughs> yeah. 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 They, they go, go back, back to the, to the well. The they literally need <laughs> so, like a, a sequel to a sequel. Yeah, so this man is so unwavering in his amazing portrayal. Uh, that they just try to go back to the archetype uh, when they rebooted it. And I think that that shows the strength of him as that character. It's one of those things, uh, we talk so much about so much content and so much goes in and out, right? Like um, where we binge an entire series and then it's gone. And then we watch two movies over a week and then they're gone. Um, I constantly forget how good Clark is, uh, how good Christopher Reeves is in that role. And it was a treat to remind myself and kind of put things in perspective when I think about the good and bad of comic book movies as a whole. This has changed my opinion on a lot of things of what I like and what I don't. I thought it was all, well, if it got shitty effects, I'm going to hate it. But that's not the case. It's just not. And that's good to know. Um, are we ready to eviscerate oh, the worst comic we, book movie can, of all time? Can I just take can I just take a take the L now? Let's, let's take the L now. Let's let's just do a Superman four recap and review. Let's if, just do a Superman. I mean, if you if, if 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 you I mean you can surrender if you'd like to surrender, and then it would just I'm, be me and you shitting on the film <laughs> in general for the rest of the cast, oh, which no, I don't I'm mind not, doing. I'm not gonna surrender. I'm I don't not, mind shitting on. The, I was gonna up, do it anyway. Surrender. I was gonna oh, shit man. on this film for the rest of the cast anyway. So it's I'm it's just, up to I'm you whether or not you want to help me. <laughs> Oh man! Oh no! What is 2020, and how do I never talk about it again? Yeah, that's it. On this day oh, in 2020, man. Dan, the comic man, defends Batman and Robin. So tell me, Dan, talk to me about Batman and Robin. Tell me what I'm missing, bro. Tell me what. Tell me what it is I'm not figuring out about all this. Explain to me. Oh man! Oh, me. man. oh man! Let's just let's just get into it. Batman and Robin was a 1997 American superhero film based on the DC characters, Batman and Robin. Loosely, loosely based, loosely based on the character. <laughs> loosely, loosely is a word. Loosely, loosely. Is not a word. They, they use their names. That's it. Oh my God. They use yeah. their names. Yeah. This was the fourth and final installment in Warner brothers, initial Batman film series, a sequel to Batman forever. And the, only film in the series made without the involvement of tim burton and that is so known yes you can tell oh directed by joel schumacher and written Rest in by peace. avika goldsman 
it stars George Clooney replacing Val Kilmer as the titular Bruce Wayne Batman. Arnold Schwarzenegger coming in as Victor Freeze, Mr. Freeze, and Chris O'Donnell reprising his role as Dick Grayson, Robin, alongside with some new additions as Uma Thurman with Poison Ivy and Alicia Silverstone as Barbara Pennyworth. <laughs> we, also, we also have um, Jim Gordon, Michael, uh, Michael Bow. No, wait, no, Jim Gordon. Yeah. I think it was Pat, no, Jim Pat, Gordon is some other dude. Yeah, it was Pat Pat Hingy. Pat Hingle is Jim Gordon. Michael Gay Gouge is good old Mas, uh, Mr. Alfred. I think and it's Michael Go like Doe. Doe like Go. Okay. Go like Doe, yeah. The film follows the titular characters as they attempt to prevent Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy from taking over the world while at the same time struggling to keep their partnership together. It is also the only it is also to date the only live action appearance of Batgirl. Yeah. Portrayed by Silverstone, who <sighs> helps the titular characters fight the villains. Yeah. <laughs> with a with with a budget of 160 million. God damn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 160 million. Bro, I don't That's even think 10 that's almost 10 times. Budget. That's almost 10 times the budget of Superman 4. Dude, Holy hell. Like a 160 wow. million dollar budget and right. their box office gross was 338.2 million. So okay. they okay. made their money back and then some. No, okay. this up up yeah. to uh before uh Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, this was actually the highest grossing Batman movie. Oh, I did not know that. That's that's saying something, right? Yeah. Before before 2008 and 2012, at the time, this was Batman's highest grossing movie. You can you can see why the studios was so hell-bent on making sure that this movie was mass marketable. Yes. Like they made, they looked. This I mean, cups. Was, this thing had cups. This thing had toys. This thing had everything. I still drink out of the cups. I yeah. literally drink wine out of a Batman Forever glass. Like, yeah, they were really trying to pump out that merchandise uh, with those last two films. Yeah, they were because Warner Brothers was trying to fast track a development for this movie following the success of Batman Forever. Right. Which, so Schumacher and Goldsman and Goldsman conceived the storyline during the pre-production on A Time to Kill. So while these two were working on another movie. They were like, let's just, in the backside, write a Batman and Robin movie. Are you serious? Right, yeah. Are you serious? Madness. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Two mm-hmm. years after defeating Two-Face and the Riddler, Batman and his new partner, Oh, Robin, I never knew. I never knew the time The time difference. Yeah, it's two years. Batman huh? ever came out in 1995. Oh, so they're, like, literally in time then as well? Yeah, like, it's literally in time then as well. Okay, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, so, um, two years after defeating Two-Face and the Riddler, Batman and his new partner, Robin, come into conflict in the form of a new foe, Jesus, Wiki, (laughs) Mr. Freeze, who has left a string of diamond robberies in his wake. During a confrontation in the Natural History Museum, Mr. Freeze steals a bigger diamond and flees. Freezing Batman and leaving, freezing Robin and leaving Batman unable to pursue him. Later, Batman and Robin learned that Mr. Freeze was originally Doctor Doctor Victor Freeze, a doctor working to develop a cure for McGregor's syndrome to heal his terminally ill wife. McGregor's. After a lab accident, Freeze was rendered unable to live at normal temperatures and forced to wear a cryogenic suit 
powered by diamonds in order to survive. So diamonds cause colds, George. You I did didn't, not you didn't know that. that. I didn't know that di- that diamonds is the key ingredient in the hyperbaric chambers. You build your own suit, bro. You can build your own suit. At Wayne Enterprises Lab in at a Wayne Enterprises Lab in Brazil, botanist Dr. Pamela Isley is working under the deranged Dr. J- bro. Oh, um, oh, oh, you didn't know? No, you didn't know? No, no. Oh, ladies and no, gentlemen, Dan the Comic no, Man is just realizing for the very first time that no, the Floronic Man no, is in this film, no. Dr. Jason Woodrow. Yes, yep. Yeah, yep, of Swamp Thing fame. They just take him and just prostitute him. Jason, what's your floronic man? That's the floronic man, B. That was floronic man, that was floronic man, George. That was floronic man. Oh my god, what, what have I got myself into? I'm, I, I can't breathe. How, how, how much more do I have? We're only 10 minutes into this movie. Bro, <laughs> yeah. bro I can't breathe. I can't breathe. <laughs> only 10 minutes into this movie, I can't uh... breathe. Oh man, so, Dr. Jason, Dr. Jason Woodrow experimenting with a drug named the Venom. 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 Yeah. Venom. Okay. Yeah, it's always been Venom. That's that's fair. She witnesses Woodrow use. Oh, it's some and it's some random dude. It's some yeah. what like Diego something or other. Antonio Diego. <laughs> Which is the most racist. That's the most. That's like because he's always supposed to be like South African, not South African, South American. I'm sorry, like Brazilian yeah. and stuff. And so they just thought of the most Spanish name they could think of, which was two Spanish first names, Antonio, Antonio Diego. Diego. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Antonio Diego. Jesus. No person Christ. whose last name is Diego would name their kid Antonio. Absolutely ridiculous. Oh man. They turns a convicted serial murderer, Antonio Diego, into a hulking monstrosity who he dubs Bane. The Bane of existence, Bane. This, this movie is automatic, is already disrespecting everybody. Just let, Let's just disrespect the entire fan base. Oh, there's people who like Swamp Thing that re- watch this movie? Let's disrespect them too. Jesus Christ, Jason <laughs> I'm not getting over that. I'm not getting over Jason Woodrow's in this movie. Jason Woodrow, and he's dead. Where did they even pull that out from? Who did that research? Who did... <laughs> no. How was somebody so That's smart? an incredibly deep cut, but not... Like, it's not deep enough. Like, that's what I'm saying. They don't get credit for the things that they do on surface level. They do a lot of surface level stuff. They do a lot of surface level nods to very popular iconic moments uh, or characters in the Batman mythos, but I don't give them the credit because it's not fully realized. They're just winks and nods. Superman works alone. Oh my God! Jesus Christ! The first line of the movie, and the I mean, and the my, my the thing I initially the thing I initially rubbed up against that I I couldn't shake was all these weird shots of like the gadgets. Yep. There's like a bunch of like these weird close ups to like this is the bat Gra- grappling hook, hook or this is yeah. the bat. Remember that weird, stupid bat fan thing that cuts the vines? Like, this is the bat little gun thing that heats heats up a bowl of, I mean, a, a tank of water. This is, you know, so many little bat gadgets. And then in that opening scene, what is the display of those vehicles for? Who is that for? That's what I was about to bring up because why is why is Robin's motorcycle coming out from a coffin? Emblazed, like and then it opens and is emblazed. The coffin is emblazed on the inside with the logo of Robin. 
And I'm like, yo, how? What? What is going on? Does not compute ever, it's ever. Madness. Error, error. It is a complete madness. Oh, man. When Pamela Isley threatens <laughs> to propose Woodrow's experiment, he attempts to kill her by overturning a shelf of various toxins. Well, now you have to die. <laughs> yep. And pushes her. Oh, my God. That's supposed to be Jason Woodrow. That's oh, we'll talk, be... we'll talk about that. That's supposed Don't to be worry. someone, man. What, you never, you never scream when you go and kill someone, George? <laughs> well, I'm not a mad... Uh... Uh, fight club scientist or whatever. What was he doing? He was trying to sell Bane as like a super soldier or whatever. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And they made him look like Tim Burton. Like, Jesus Christ. The man was green. Despite Woodrow's efforts, Isley is resurrected, transforming her into the beautiful and seductive Poison Ivy before exacting her revenge. She kills Woodrow with her poisonous kiss and sets the lab and sets fire to the lab, leaving it to burn down while she escapes with Bane. She finds that Wayne Enterprises funded Woodrow, though they cut Woodrow's funding when he intended to weaponize the, we- the Venom drug. Thus, she appropriates Bane as a muscle-bound thug, taking him with her to Gotham City. Meanwhile, Alfred Pennyworth's niece, Barbara Wilson... Okay, so she's not even a Pennyworth. She's a Wilson. No, she, well, the niece, because the mother would be yeah. Pennyworth, which means the father... She would get the father's last name. Ah. Uh, yeah. Barbara makes a surprise visit and is invited by Bruce Wayne to stay at Wayne Manor until she goes back to school. Oh my god, this fucking scroll. Oh my god, there's so many, there's so much more to scroll. Okay. Yeah, there is, bro. Wayne Enterprises presents a new telescope for Gotham Observatory at a press conference interrupted by Isley. She proposes a project that could help the environment, but Bruce declines her offer, which would kill millions of people. Batman says that the project is in the conflict with the main goals of the Wayne Corporation. That night, a charity event is held by Wayne Enterprises with special guests. <sighs> Batman and Robin. <laughs> yep. And this was one of probably the worst scene. Are we, are we at the seductive gorilla scene? Yeah. Okay. Yes, we are. <laughs> we're at, we're, we're, we are literally on stage watching uh... Batman and Robin over a woman with oxygen. But before doing that, watching in awe as this gorilla does some sort of weird lap dance um, in, in, in this fundraiser. It's showing up to the fundraiser as Batman and Robin is as Batman 66 as you can get. You know? Dude. That's as... And I, and I get that the charm of this film, what no, people say to defend it, is, is that it's 66. That is Batman 66 in HD, you know? That's the biggest defense I've seen of this film. That's literally my only defense, is that if you was to take, like, take the opening scene at the Museum of Natural History, where they were skating around and playing hockey with an ice diamond and punching bad guys, if you put the and the pow and the zip and the bam and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, if you put that there with, yeah, it's literally we reverted back to the 60s Batman. Now, now, right? I have to actually defend this fucking movie, it's not bad but we didn't want that from what, what tim burton gave us but i can see that the studios really wanted th- this movie was the batman movie the studios always wanted safe campy marketable adult humor but still for the kids like you can make money off of it and there's still a story there like this was this is the definitive studios batman movie i still think the best schumacher joke though is from forever. 
which is the part where he goes, holy rusted metal, Batman. And, and Batman goes, what? And he goes, oh, this metal. It has holes in it. It's like holy. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, was, that was very eye-rolling, but I also felt like that was deliberately making fun of. Yeah, totally. So then when we get this movie, and they're not making fun of it anymore, they're literally paying homage. I think I think it's worse. I think not only are they making fun of it, they're trying to add an edge to it. You know, all that weird, and I mean, you don't even have to read this part, but all of that weird motorcycle shit, what the fuck was all that about? What was, what was Glow Stick Alley about? You know, like, what, what was that? What was the, with the, the Hardy Boys out there with gl- glowing chains and, and, uh, luminescent gangs? Coolio run, uh, death races on, on, on top of buildings, like on top of like, Cause at one point they they she almost falls off a cliff. She doesn't even know the damn terrain. I, I'm really getting. I'm getting personally getting tired of it. Like, <laughs> it's, it's just no. I, like all right, all those damn Dutch angle tilts. There's no point for all of those Dutch angle tilts. Yes, there's, there's a bunch really of Dutch, no, Dutch angle tilts. Dude, there was. I counted it my damn self. There was five fucking. There was five. Dutch angle tilts, five of them. That's a lot. In under, in, in that one motorcycle scene alone. Wow. Just, no, just that one mo- motorcycle scene alone. They were they start off the race. It's Dutch angle tilt. There's a couple of action. Goes back to the race. Another Dutch angle tilt. Uh, right before Robin and uh, Batgirl go to fall off the cliff. Dutch angle tilt. Like there was a Dutch angle tilt. Ev- like almost every other cut in that specific one motorcycle race scene. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no there's no need for it. Like that scene is returning to my boy. Like, yo, what is going on? Like, I get I get that Dutch angle tilts when done right. It's supposed to give you this psychological uneasement. But how uneasy am I supposed to feel at a a motorcycle race? Yeah, like I I I get it, but then again, I don't. So I feel like one of the things about about Barbara Gordon. The character is that you sh- you show her tenacity at law enforcement, kind of sort of. They did it in, in Lego Batman, you know, they, because she's the daughter of a commissioner, of a police commissioner, and somebody who's been on the force for a long time. So you 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 have to set up her her moral compass. You have to set up her you know uh, affinity for law and order, and then you have to set up her ability to handle herself. I don't know if any of that is shown in a motorcycle race. She just seems like a petulant child, which is kind of odd because i think that's also what robin's playing in this so it's like two children like it's batman right. having to Robin's writing made literally made no goddamn sense and i'm trying <laughs> i'm trying i was trying but literally every word out this man's mouth made absolutely as if he was speaking another language he's a serial complainer oh, bro it's always my way or the highway huh huh bruce Bro, he's Batman. Yeah, it's always Batman and Robin, not Robin and Batman. Um, there would be no Robin without you. There would be no Robin, bro. He should have just let you fall, <laughs> like your parents. You know what I'm saying? Like you get, into, but that's what happens when you adopt a 35 year old man <laughs> and try to make him do what you want to do. Alfred, he's like Alfred. Am I controlling? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he's he's Batman, and then Alfred's like, you know. You, some people need to be in control and, you know, some people need to be the one to, you know, do this and this and that. And Alfred was not missing any beats this movie. Even as a bedridden Alfred, 
Alfred was not missing any beats in this movie for me. So my issue with um, Robin, he probably would have done a better job being a Jason Todd. You know, like a, like somebody who didn't doesn't really get what Robin's supposed to be about, and that's why he's oh, always complaining. Unearned Nightwing outfit. Oh, one hundred percent. Yep, just take all the Nightwing uh, thing. But that's it's unearned everything, right? It's it's brain dead Bane, the smartest one of the smartest villains in Batman's Rogues Gallery. The, the his impressive nature is supposed to be not only his feats of strength, but he he's a, a genius. He has a genius level intellect. He's able to outsmart Batman and break his back. Nightfall, that big, you know. Uh, storyline where bane breaks his back like many times that story in the 90s though in the 90s so pluck for picking heart of ice batman the animated series in the 90s so it's pluck for picking so we're going to use that as well (laughs) uh we're going to throw mr freeze in here and do heart of ice because they don't even understand what they're using no but they never do this goes all the way back to bvs with death of superman and uh dark knight returns and the justice league origins and you know they just take all these popular elements and just put them in a blender and i like ice cream i like tacos i like uh a mimosa every now and then but you put all those three in a blender i'm not having that it's not it's not gonna be good stuff and i think that's a serious issue that ends up happening here i imagine imagine if freaking civil war would have been in inside of infinity war Imagine watching Tony and, and, and um, Steve go battling out with each other while having to battle Thanos. Like, yeah. Can you imagine having all of that, like, inconsistency, all, all of those different elements thrown into one melting pot to make such shit? <laughs> such shit. Like, I just don't, I just mm. don't get it. And by the, by the this movie's, all, this movie's two hours, dude. Yeah. This movie's two hours. We yeah. got to the last 40 minutes, and I was like, bro, this is a fucking And it's still shit. going on. It's still going on, you know? And Batman was making puns. Robin was making puns. Poison Ivy was making puns. I, I think puns. that I think that puns. I think that ultimately what fails this film is I personally, you know, as somebody who watched and tried to review it, felt no connection between Clooney, Go, and O'Donnell. And they're supposed to be like family. You know, and Go I recognize because Go's been in the entire franchise. O'Donnell, you know, is coming back for a sequel. Why did you recast Kilmer? Why did you go with Clooney? And why did you, I mean, we know why he went with Clooney. We went with Clooney because of uh, ER being so popular. They went with they went with um, what's her face Alicia Silverstone because of Clueless. You know, like those were the it people, but you don't just do that. You, I mean, you shouldn't just do that. That's why, that's where you get this thing here. But there's a lot of conversations. Partner, brother, I need you to trust me. I don't know. No, I don't know you. Who are you? Racially ambiguous Batman? Who are you? Ambiguously gay duo. I, I was not a fan of uh, Clooney's Batman. I you don't think he was, was great. This, this, is, this, is the, this is the issue. When you get a scene in, in Superman 4 of Clark sick, uh, and he's like, you literally see him like dying type of sick. And then you get Lois Lane coming in, and she's like, I know, I, I was looking for you. I can't find you everywhere. I was scared sick. I had to come visit you. It feels, like, real because, you know, you saw the development of Reeve and um, Kidder. 
from yeah. Superman 1 to Superman 4. Exactly. But when you get to that fourth movie and Clark Kent is like down in the dumps and feeling sad and Lois of all people is the one to come look for him. The human. Feels the human earned. with no powers. Yep. And it feels great. So, but now fast forward 10 years to 97 with Batman and Robin, you have a scene where Alfred, I should be feeling the emotional depth of Alfred dying. To, like to, they even show it in the beginning of the movie, like uh, when he says, I'll cancel the pizza, sir, you see his face make this like, he's about to have a heart attack type face. That's actually really good subtle direction that I didn't, that I have to bring up because there are points where you see Alfred really like, yeah, I don't think there's anything. Like, he, he feels weak. He feels frail. And I don't think there's anything wrong with Michael Gold's performance. But again, it just feels like this this stranger talking to him. Put put this put those Michael Gold scenes, those 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 Michael Gold and George Clooney scenes up against any any Bale and and Kane scene. You, it's impossible. That's a family. You believe that when they broke up in Dark Knight Rises, that broke my. I cried. Yeah. When, he's, when he said it's saving your life, the same voice that I heard echoing in these halls, I'm like, yeah. Yep. yeah. Like, yeah, you feel it. I fell in love with you from the second I heard your cries echo through these halls. Like, that right there, that gave me the Alfred-Bruce father-son relationship that the comics have given me. Right. I love when Alfred calls him his son in the comics. Here, when he calls him his son in Batman and Robin, it was just, What? Okay, I guess we're going And then there. you have to have the scene of him tripping in the hallway and all that kind of stuff there. And I'm just like, I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on here. There was just, there was just so much that I don't even think, I don't even think Schumacher had even a say. I, I don't th- even think he had a say. I think Uma Thurman does better than Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay, Uma Thurman is just a national treasure, and that's just what's going to happen. For we're not gonna. I'm not. But I no. But I can. I can slander her if you want me to slander. Her. I, 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 I will fight you. Now. No. Now, no. You, I found someone I can actually defend. It's easy. You ready? She's doing Catwoman. She is doing Catwoman. She's but doing Catwoman. Know? Not only is she doing Eartha Kitt's Catwoman from '66, the completely cheesy and campy. Ooh, and I guess we're gonna catch a little bat. Not only is she doing all of that, but her origin story is almost shot for shot Catwoman. Finding out something about the boss with crazy hair. The boss with crazy hair has to have a talk with her. Then the boss with crazy hair pushes her, and then she dies, and then she comes back for revenge and yeah, kills and that both boss. Shrek and uh, damn, his name's Shrek. Both Shrek and uh, Woodrow have like the same hair. Style. That's what I'm saying. It's 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 <laughs> with the white streak. It's almost the same thing of it all, and it's also like the the Pamela Isley of it, like the whole. That's the Pamela Isley of it was very. She's all that. Like, we're supposed to think that, the same way, like Selena Kyle, we're supposed to think that, uh, uh, you know, messy hair and glasses, oh, she's hideous. No, that's, Good thing that's, she became. White <laughs> men that have insecurity problems because, man, I like me a chick that's more unkempt than kempt. I think that the sets are kind of cool. Like, Poison Ivy's whole flower set is, is, is kind of cool. Um, uh, Mr. Freeze's thing is kind of cool, but Arnold Schwarzenegger, man. Uh, that how do I, that uh, movie that that story Heart of Ice I want to say it's award winning you know Paul no, Dini they, wrote it for the Batman animated series and then it, it's it's one of the most influential freaking things oh Batman Sub Zero Freeze's actual movie yeah it 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 um it's such a pivotal story in Batman's history that 
once it came out, it went everywhere. Because I think it de- the, the actual Heart of Ice episode maybe came out in 95. Let me see if I could do some research for Yeah, and didn't quick. you even say that, um, what's it called? Mr. Freeze is only so, so many, some odd years old. Because we were talking about this for the Birds of Prey podcast. Right. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Mr. Freeze, um, the original character's name was Dr. Zero, I think, or Mr. Zero, with the idea of zero, zero temperature, zero degrees. <laughs> um, absolute zero, as some people like to say. And so, yeah, that's, that was his entire thing. That was his entire uh, claim to fame. He was just some guy with a freeze gun, and he was Dr. Zero. It wasn't until Heart of Ice, which comes out in 1992, uh, written by the amazing Paul Dini, the, co- the creator of um, Harley Quinn, uh, who fleshes out this character that he's a scientist, and he doesn't he's not robbing banks because he wants the money. He needs money and funding and technology to save his wife who came down with this disease uh, that's, you know, that's in this thing. And what makes Heart of Ice work is the cold, detached nature of the of Mister Freeze in the animated series? Plus, like he's he's very cold and detached, but he's saying very loving things. Like at one point he says something like, "Um, if only I could feel the warm, like what I would give to feel the warm breath of summer on my face, but never again, or something like that." Like something very Shakespearean, and, and that's how it is. It's very tortured and Shakespearean, and um, you know, gravitas, and then. Schwarzenegger gets in it and it's all ice to meet you and you know cold shoulder and all that shit and I'm like you literally took all of the real seriousness and the real love and heart the actual heart of this story and just screw it like we don't we don't really care you know I think that ends up being one of the major issues of uh, no pun intended of the film is the fact that no it's they took a very they took probably one of the greatest written stories for a villain, to that, and they turned it into Arnold Schwarzenegger saying ice puns, yeah, ice to meet you, the ice age, and, and let's kick some ice, let's kick some ice. That's not even a My pun. My God, <laughs> that's just that's not even a pun. Just bad, uh, bad thing. So yeah, you so your Mister Freeze is ridiculous your bane is brain dead. Like I said, the guy is supposed to be the smartest guy of all time, but he's a Pokemon in this film. The only thing he says is his name. Um. No, no, no. He 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 says what he does because there was a point where he's putting these ice crystal bombs. Oh yeah, he goes and he's bomb. Bomb. <laughs> bomb. Those so ice crystal bombs are ridiculous as well, bro. They look like freaking stalagmites and stagnites. Like it's ridiculous. my god, they're just they're sticking everywhere like the inside of a cave tavern. You also have and the worst. The uh, oh you also have the worst Commissioner Gordon ever, probably. This is literally <laughs> the worst Commissioner Gordon in I have I Oh my oh my lord have mercy when it's not she great. Was, when, Bro, she put him under his spell to, to get information from him and then she goes and walks away from him. He's like, Wait, take me with you. Please. And even and even in uh when she when Batman and him meet up, Batman's like giving him the cold shoulder. Like you don't even really fuck with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Open they, and shut they, case. They did nothing for him. It's ridiculous. He is the... That Commissioner Gordon is the joke that they tell about, like, all he does is flick on the switch. You know? Like, he doesn't do anything. If Batman doesn't do it, they're not catching them. It's just not a thing that happens. So, I think that is ridiculous. Are we ready to just harp on Batgirl? Yeah, let's just harp on back to this thing. Let's just... Let's just get there. Get there. Uh, hold on. Let me pull up my wiki right here. 
Chica, chica, yeah. Uh, Batman and Robin begin to have relationship problems because of Poison Ivy's seductive ability with Robin, but Bruce eventually convinces Dick to trust him. That's great. Couldn't even write. So Poison Ivy is then able to contact Robin once more. She kisses him but fails to kill him due to Robin wearing rubber lips. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Rubber lips. Yeah. Tell me tell me his plan and I'll kiss you. Kiss me and I'll tell. What the fuck am I watching? She already she also do- doesn't just need that. Like we've already seen that she blows shit in people's faces. Does she have not no poisonous like deadly things she could blow in people's faces? I think that thing that she just blows in people's faces is just to control them. Well, it makes them... It's a pheromone. It's usually, in the comic books, yeah. it's a pheromone, and it's, it's supposed to innate, enact your animal instincts, and, you know, it plays with your neuro- neurology. One but... of my favorite done scenes in Hush. Oh, man, I forgot that Poison Ivy t- had Clark under her spell in Hush. Yep. Oh, man, that was a great... That was a fantastic scene. That was a Paige Turner. Now I don't want to talk about Hush. Forget <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was, say- I was saying it. Once I finished Batman and Robin, I'm like, yo, I need to throw on the Dark Knight to cleanse my palate. Like, it, when when crap. somebody took this so, like, such as a joke, and then you go and watch, like, the Dark Knight, and you're like, I can't believe someone took it this this, this seriously. It's, it, it's like you said, it's apples and oranges. oranges. It's, and, it's complete night and day. Yeah. Dude, it's not apples and oranges anymore. It's apples and tomatoes. Like, And I think it boils down to the fact that your film is basically a two-hour toy commercial. Jesus Christ. It, it, yeah, no. Basically, it's this was... Think of this as the first live-action Batman animated series episode. Like... This was literally a two-hour uh, toy commercial. At one point, I'm watching this with my roommate because uh, he is absolutely... Um, flabbergasted that I would put myself through, <laughs> through this for the podcast. But for the people, then we do it for the people. And um, I remember him saying, you know, I really like the, the, the design of the bat, um, Batmobile. And I'm like, it's a cool design, but practically it's retarded. This man is the knight. Why would he need big blue ribs glowing, <laughs> you know, and a big blue light in the front of his vehicle alerting everybody to where he's at? But this entire film is just loud and bombastic, so it doesn't matter, I guess. But it's like, this guy's supposed to be hiding in the shadows. I mean, I, the tumbler is not quiet either, but at least it's all black. And he drives it at night, you know? But it's like a no, lot of cool right. shots this, for, this is for nothing. This is Batman that hides in the shadows. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what is he doing? He's going to actual sex auctions dressed in full costume. Sex with a goddamn bad credit card. It wasn't... Oh, wait, card yeah, the bad credit card. Forever. Yeah, Batman forever, bro. You understand? It says good through forever. Yep. What kind of... I don't even think Chase does that kind of thing where yeah, your card your don't card expire for forever. forever. Well, he doesn't. What bank is he banking with? Batman of America? I don't know. A Batman of America. That's terrible. Bank Bats Fargo. Bats Fargo. That's what that's what's going on there. Um, that that's why I say that one of the things I can say of my film against yours is that my film, at the very least, is still about Superman. And I feel like none of the Batman films in that four, you know, film span are about Batman. Somewhere around the animated series, people were like, wow, he really has a cool rogues gallery. And so they all get the spotlight and they all get the cool origin stories and the cool shots. In, um, in Dark Knight, we never see what Joker's up to. We absolutely never see what, he, what his plans are, which makes him scarier, which makes him more of a, 
uh, unpredictable villain. The idea that we we can't see any of the things that Joker is up to. It all his machinations are surprises. But this entire film, we're following Bane, we're following Poison Ivy at every single angle, at every single turn, and all of a sudden, it, it becomes a villain film. And it's the same thing. I love Batman Returns as well, but Batman Returns is more about Catwoman and Penguin than it is about Batman too. Um, uh, Batman Forever is more about Riddler and Two Face than it is about um, Bruce. It's just it's just where that where those movies are. We are always with the villain. You see them do every little bit of their planning, every little bit of their architecture, every little bit of um, how they're amassing their weapons and their plans. And I like it much better when everything is from the Batman point of view and we get surprised as to what the villains are up to. But the 1966 um, show did a lot of that. Let's go to where the villains are and how they're, you know, twirling their mustaches and coming up with the next big plan. And I swear, it was like some sort of checklist of villains because the original Batman uh, 66 show, the ones that were always on there were Catwoman, Penguin, Riddler, and Joker. But by the third movie, Catwoman, Riddler, Penguin, and Joker had all been used. So what do we do? Well, who's popping now? Bane's popping because of Nightfall. Mr. Freeze is popping because of Heart of Ice. And I also think uh, Poison Ivy got some new found popularity because of the animated series as well. And so you have all of these things off the backs of other more creative people. Was she people. unliked because of the animated series? Was she what? I don't really ever remember Poison Ivy. I don't really ever remember her getting much buzz until after this movie. Like once this movie comes out, then it's like all about the buzz, all about the buzz. Like, I, I didn't know her until this movie because I wouldn't have had any other. I mean, until, until the uh, cartoon because I wouldn't have had any other way of knowing her. I wasn't reading comics at that time. This film came out when I was five. Um, I wasn't a fan of the uh, like the 66 show, and I wouldn't have seen it at five in 97. So odds are I saw Poison Ivy for the first time in the animated series. And there's a there's an episode where um, there's an episode where she uh, is like she's rehabilitated, quote unquote, and she's trying to start a family. And Bruce Wayne, for some reason, just doesn't believe she's capable of rehabilitation. So he keeps just checking in. He keeps just um, messing with her, uh, trying to like look through her trash and peek through her windows to find out what kind of madness that she's up to. What you know, and it, that's a very very good episode. I forgot what it's called. House in Pla- Ugh, I forget, but yeah, she she definitely got a newfound level of popularity because of the animated series, and then you know the animated series. Yeah, I'm is gonna have what to go back us... and watch a lot of her episodes. I'm gonna have to go back and watch a lot of her animated series episodes because I remember it was my my introduction of her was this movie, then it was the animated series, and then it started read. Then I was reading um, comics of her, seeing her in different comics, but I feel like she really got this life now because of the harley quinn show and i'm really glad for that and but you got to remember the harley quinn and poison ivy friendship started on batman the animated series it did it when when harley quinn was going straight right and so like that that's all it right there like it, they just people worked very hard to get a lot of attention on some of these villains and they crafted original stories and they worked really really hard there's a lot of pathos in poison ivy a villain who really is fighting for the most defenseless living beings on this earth plants who can't speak and can't defend themselves besides ones that have kind of cool defense mechanisms um mr freeze who doesn't 
is not mustache twirling. He's trying to save his wife. And Bane, a man who is extremely intelligent but is debilitated by this venom that, you know, makes him strong but also makes him crazy. Like, there's layers there. And they chose not to even play with any of them. Like, there's nope, two not deep. one. Not one. Like, it's the point that I I'm trying to defend this movie. And I literally... The reason why I can't is because of just how disrespectful it was to actual, like, notable villains. It's not like they took the polka dot man and made him stupider. You know, it's not like they took kite man and made him more kite man-y. It's not like they took the dumbest villain you can think of and make him dumber. Now, if they did that, if they took the dumbest villain you can think of and made him even dumber, he was already a dumb villain. What do you want me to do? You know, he was already well, a dumb villain. Right, but, but if he was good, Bane, yeah. They took mm-hmm. Poison Ivy. They took, they, they took th- three of the 90s most biggest villains because of their best stories in the comics yep. and turned him into an Adam West villain. They turned him into Cesar Romero and all that. Yeah. Like, it, like I wouldn't be as mad if it wasn't the, the specifically the three villains that they picked at the time period that they picked them. Because we're just getting Poison Ivy off the ground. We just got the Batman Breaks the Bat off the ground. We're just getting Heart of Ice off the ground. Yep. We're like you're like like DC was was making wavelengths with three new villains that have become since then iconic. Yeah. And their first live action appearance. Their first live action appearance. What do we get? Ice to meet you. Yeah, Bane, Bane in this is treated very similarly to how Doomsday was treated in Batman vs. Superman. Uh, you know, BVS, um, it, you know, they took that storyline, and that storyline was a huge storyline in the 90s as well. Like, a lot of people remember when Doomsday killed Superman, and a lot of people remember when Bane broke the bat. Something that he wouldn't do again until bat- Dark Knight Rises. You know, like, they took Nightfall right there. They 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 did gave it justice, and in here, it's just not great. Uh, I guess you should finish up the... Yes, uh, let's go straight to finishing this bad boy <laughs> off. Um, Batman and Robin decide to go after Mr. Freeze. Oh, sorry. Wait. I skipped an entire paragraph. Yeah, at one, point they, at one point they unplug Mrs. Freeze. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So Batman and Robin begin to have relationship problems because of Poison Ivy's seductive ability. With Robin with Robin, but Bruce eventually convinces Dick to trust him. Poison Ivy is able to contact Robin and, okay, yes, kisses him with the rubber lips. Meanwhile, Barbara Gordon discovers the Batcave and the AI version <laughs> of Alfred reveals he has made a Barbara he has made Barbara a toot of her own. Two. Well, Barbara dons the... Two suits. Barbara, Barbara wait, two suits? Cause I don't remember that. The ice suit. Oh yeah, the I <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> Just in no, case. But wait no, but wait a minute. But what? wait a minute. How do I forget? I knew that looked so different. The silver. I knew it. Batman Batman suit had the silver on it. Yeah. Oh man, how did I forget? I'm and I remember last night because this is when I watched it. I watched it last night. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at it. I'm like literally looking at it. I'm like, wait. This kind of suit looks weird for a second. It's like, it looks different. That yeah. didn't look like the suit that was in the beginning of the movie. And then I looked at Rob and like, yo, this all looks different. Why does this look different? Eh, I'm just going to... We're here. We're at the last, like, 15 minutes. Let me just go with it. Right. Hilarious. And so, um, yeah, two suits. 
two suits. One of ice, one for the final battle, and one that I guess he always had made for her. <laughs> just Question in case. Mark. Just in case, bro. Just in case you ever fight that villain we just saw that also has the same disease, uh, or his wife has the same disease that I have. That's so Can we crazy. talk about Batgirl attempting to break into the family computer using the password England? Is that how much he knows about Alfred? That <laughs> she's like, she's like, oh yeah, his password would totally be England because that's where he's from. So when push comes to shove and he needs to secure something, England. It was that was just. That was just terrible. All those Suit me up, choices. Uncle Alfred. Oh, no, no. no. What, what, what pissed me off was the, 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 the computer. Access yes. granted. But it does what? the same thing. I, it was, it, was it the second film the, or the first one? One of those films. Somebody breaks in and everything opens up. Oh, that was, the, that was Batman Forever. Yeah, so it's like... That what, was Jim Carrey. What do you... Jim Carrey. Why would Carrey your defense mechanism... Why would your defense mechanism in your cave, upon realizing that there's an intruder, open all the doors? <laughs> open the door to where the bat cave... I mean, the Batmobile is. Open the door to where the bat suits are. Turn on all the computers just to say intruder alert. Intruder alert. Oh, no. Th- at least that one was better than the one that was in this one. Giant Alfred on the screen. Intruder alert. Intruder alert. And, and glitching. Intruder alert. Intr- yeah, basically glitching. Like, Jesus Christ. I mean, it wasn't as bad as DJ Alfred in, in, in Batman Returns. <laughs> ricka, ricka, ricka. Like a heart from bad. hell. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, I, I, think we're so, at the, I think we're at the final act of yours. Oh, man. Um, so... We are at Batman and Robin and Batgirl decide to go after Mr. Freeze together. By the time they get to the observatory where Mr. Freeze and Bane are, Gotham is completely frozen. Batgirl and Robin are attacked by Bane, but eventually defeat him by kicking him, yeah, by kicking apart his venom tube, stopping the flow of venom to his body. Bane collapses before reverting to his original form and is left helpless on the ground. Yep. Meanwhile, Batman and Mr. Freeze begin to fight each other with Batman defeating Mr. Freeze, Batgirl and, Batgirl and Robin managing to thaw the city, and Batman shows Freeze a recording of Poison Ivy during her fight with Batgirl in who full had HD. The that she killed Mr. Freeze's wife. He shows it in full HD even though he wasn't there to record it. Well, where did he even get that angle from? I don't know. No clue. However, Batman informs Mr. Freeze that she is alive in a cryogenic slumber before being moved to Arkham Asylum, waiting for Mr. Freeze to finish his research. So he goes to jail, but gets to get all the necessary funding to do the research to save his Cause life. Because he, he had the cure on him, remember? Oh, yeah, he had the cure the entire time. It's like, oh, and shit, I'll... you know somebody that's going through that? Oh, yeah, you can take this. She's already so passed this stage. All... So, yeah, so I'm going to give you your wife, all of the technology and funding you need. Just give me your cure. Yeah. Just give me your cure. That's it. Fair trade. Fair trade. And he was also kind of dying there, too. So, I mean, I don't know if he, you know. He was under duress, if it was what I'm trying to say. <laughs> that fight is also terrible because uh, uh, Freeze could barely move in his Ivan Ooze-ass costume. And um, neither can Clooney in the rubber. So, no one's really doing anything in that fight until one of them just falls on all the crystals. And then, you know, he starts to gasp because he's, it's not cold enough or whatever. But yeah, not a great uh, final act. Plus, they use the sun, I think, to de- de- 
thaw to thaw thaw out. Um, oh, please. Gotham- let me, let's not even talk about the fact that they sent sun rays into the fucking satellites to thaw. To, 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 to direct, direct sunlight <laughs> at the city. And then everybody who was living and gets thawed just comes back to life. Maybe Freeze should have actually frozen her. Instead of putting her in like a cold cryogenic thing. Water. Cold cryogenic water. Speaking of weird, like, where'd they get that camera angle? Where'd they get the camera angle for, um, for Freeze's wedding? Where'd that come from? Where did, how did Batman get his hands on that? Because he's there showing, I think, Alfred. He's like, oh, yeah, look. Uh, he has a wife. And then... <laughs> Just like, I think the biggest issue in Gotham in general is that no one puts any railings up by big vats, big ass open vats, because Joker just falls in in the big ass vat in Batman 1, and then you have um, Mr. Freeze getting electric shocked, I guess, and falling backwards onto these big ass open vats of, of chemicals, and it's all because there's no safety. Uh, you gotta talk to OSHA, you gotta get those requirements there, bro, uh, because that's ultimately what what failed these villains when push comes to shove. Um, those studios really would fail these villains. Like that studio failed the whole film, but that's why I think that ultimately you do lose to me because only one of our directors has apologized for this film, (laughs) which means, which means only one person has understood that it's pure, you know, the the detriment that this film has caused. Or does Sidney Furry have not enough cognitive dissonance to Wow. Wow. That's like Zack Snyder. That's like someone wanting, expecting Zack Snyder to apologize for BVS. Nah, that's his vision. That's his vision. But the thing is, he, you know, um, that's the whole thing. Like, he had said, Mr. Schumacher, uh, Joel Schumacher, and rest in peace, you know, he died this year, wasn't it? I believe he died this year, if not last year. Uh, this year's been such a freaking hellhole, I can't even remember anymore. But um, he said that he wanted to apologize to every fan that was disappointed because he thinks he owes them that. He says a lot of it was his choice, and no one is responsible for the mistakes but him. Uh, so, yeah. And that it, it wasn't... They weren't able to use Kilmer because Kilmer went to go do the island of Dr. Moreau. Uh, so, uh, so that's why they ended up grabbing... Um, yeah, that's when they end up grabbing Clooney because of VR. Um, and Schumacher said, I was scum. It was like I had murdered a baby upon the re- the re- the reaction once the film was released. Oh, please, Schumacher, it's not that bad. No, it's I worse don't... than being a bloody pedophile. <laughs> that's what it is. No, but the, the whole thing about Schumacher is he's so nice and he will rest in peace to him because that's why I wanted us to do this because he passed away. Yeah, a couple of months ago, so it's like I want to like be able to honor his memory in an unhonorable way, as yeah. Dan usually likes to do. But <laughs> no, it's like I've seen interviews, I've read interviews, I've I've I know Schumacher because I've watched, I love his movies. He really is a nice guy, and it's hard to get mad at him over Batman and Robin and Batman Forever. I mean, personally, I love Batman Forever, but that Batman Forever might be might be peak. You know, uh, has some of the best of the of the Burton and has some of the best of the Schumacher. But I think he really did, you know, he he surrendered to the idea that the studio wanted this to be more toy-like. You know, the different suits are just toys. The different Batmobiles and vehicles, all those weird Bat vehicles that they drive on the ice. Like, those random, like, doesn't he randomly have, like, one of those fan boats or whatever? <laughs> so, he's just coming up with random things so that you could play with. Um, speaking of which, I always hated when you watch a commercial for a toy 
and there's a bunch of stuff that doesn't come with the toy. Like here, we, you, oh, it's gonna be uh, Batman so against Mr. Freeze, and here and here is Batman shooting his laser at these blocks that are supposed to represent ice, and watch them all fall. And then on the bottom, be like, blocks are not included. <laughs> Each part sold separately. Yes, a hundred percent. So yeah, not great. Um, he's the one he he admits it was his, it was his choice to do the nipples. It was his choice to do the incredible and anatomically correct uh, rubber suits, which were weird. Uh, I don't understand the glorified shots of the ass when they get into the suits. What's that about? He was LGBT, so there you go. So if, hey, listen, if Schumacher wants to have some of his little gay fantasies shooting Batman, that's on him. Man. Hey, I think, you know, it's the camp. I think it's the camp factor in all of it that he probably tried to turn up to 11, you know? But they should have just kept it at nine. <laughs> Eight and a half. At least a good And it also doesn't have any, um, there's no kiss, for, kiss from a rose, you know? No, but this ha- but this movie has the worst version of the end is the beginning by Smashing Pumpkins. Yes, like my my definitive edition was the one in the Watchmen trailer. You know the one I'm talking about. Which one is Gotham City for? Is Gotham City for this movie? Uh, R. Kelly. Which one is that? What movie is that I one think, for? I think that was Forever Two. Yeah, because because Forever had a very like R and B '90s soundtrack. Uh, son of a no. Batman and Robin. It was? Yeah, it was featured on the subject of that. So yeah, and yeah, I got a and yeah, I got a sex pest singing your songs. Can you not? Can you not do this? Your movie's problematic, bro. Just like All right? what I was saying with um Got them sitting. God damn it. Just like what I was saying how Superman was like lifeless. No, it was uh yeah, lifeless with joy. This movie is just all life and all joy and no life. No, but no. I said, I, I said, Superman had no life. It had life but no joy. This has joy but no life. I feel like no, it's um, the other way. Around. It's the other way around. This I, movie has all the life but no joy. This movie is just no. There's no joy in Batman. It's no almost life. the worst parts of the Transformers franchise. It's just loud. And, it's, yep, it's loud. And bright. And um, yep, there you go. Bright, colorful. Uh, the 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 score the score is like Burton inspired but or Elfman inspired but like there's a new Batman theme when Schumacher it's, does the two you know he has a new theme it was terrible this was literally the worst Batman score in, in <laughs> history because it it was everything that that we loved about Forever dialed up to disrespectful just exaggerated like, was, right exaggerated trumpets exaggerated <laughs> horns exaggerated. <laughs> Like every, like every freaking yeah. scene, even the scenes that aren't calling for it to be loud and bombastic, it's just being. And it's like it's going, but it's going so loud that it's starting to lose its notes. Yeah, like it gets so loud you can't even tell when the notes change anymore. And the music never stops <laughs> unless no, they're in no, the mansion. No. The music is just on throughout There's everything. Any scene in this movie where there is no music. Yeah, there's always music. When- what do you think? Do- oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, is, I almost took a cyanide pill. This this movie. Oh my god! <laughs> Rubber lips. This, this movie was going to be the death of me. Uh, is there anything else you want to say on the on good on behalf of all, of all this? Uh, besides, the, we're going to need a bigger cave. Uh, the only thing good that I that I kind of, I mean, oh man, it gave us Nolan's Batman. I guess. <laughs> 
it, it, they made sure they never made the mistake of Batman and Robin again, and we got Nolan's Batman, so. Right. No, huh. I, can't find, I can't find anything. I can't. I like <laughs> I like Superman. I, I'll say it straight up. I'll take the L with, with like a man. I loved Superman four. That movie was actually really good. Sure, the ending was the ending was what you wanted to be, but you know it wasn't what you wanted to be. But you know what? It was an hour and like twenty minutes. I was already there. I was I, I was a little bit uh, inebriated watching that final fight scene, so I'm just laughing at it. But it was like a joy laugh. It wasn't like a I hate my time laugh. Like I was enjoying Spider-Man, Superman four. This movie. This movie is just disrespectful. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. Well, this is the second time you've agreed with me. Uh, last time was Thor and, and the Hulk. Um, uh, we're really, but I, we are really are finding some of the best. And I think the more that I start looking back at these old movies that I thought were the worst, the more hate I have for the, the newer ones. You know, and I, and I think that's kind of where both of our films fall. Is the fact that we already had good templates, both of them. They already had good, successful versions of these characters, and our films failed them. You know, uh, so that's neither here nor there with any of that. Uh, next week we're doing the boys. Next week we're on the boys. Yeah, so boys are back in town. So the, we put our swords and shields down until next time when we return for which was worse. Um, like I said, I I think you go back and watch Super... I do think that Batman and Robin is enjoyable. There is a subsection where you can turn your brain off and just enjoy it as is. But yeah, not- <laughs> but I do think that um, Superman 4 needs a little bit more credit, people. Go back and, and check Superman, out some Superman of 4. The, of the two, Superman 4 is the only one with actual rewatchability. You think so? Like, I, I could actually find myself watching Superman 4 again. I'll probably watch it again tonight just for a fucking... Okay. Maybe don't... I'll, like, I'll probably watch like 15 minutes of it or watch some clips on YouTube. Like, who knows? Like, it's not a bad movie. It's really hmm. not. And if there's anything to take away from 2020, if there's anything to take away from which was worse, it's admitting that Superman 4 Quest for Peace is actually not as bad as I've always believed it to be because of everybody on the internet and YouTube and all that. Yeah, I think you're coming up with something poignant. I think the main thing to take away from every single which was worse is that it gets worse. It does get worse. <laughs> it gets worse. What you think? What you think is the worst of it? it ain't even scratching the surface. It gets much worse. Remember the '80s Swamp Thing? No, we still have a lot. We still have a lot. We still have. Uh, we still got the serials, the serial movies, which are which are which are you know pretty interesting. Um, I I think the Crow is go is up there. I don't know as a which was worse, but you understand? Like, there's a lot of deep cut comic book movies that we haven't done yet. Versus the Green Hornet, like. Oh my! Oh, you talking about Seth Rogen's Green Hornet? Yeah. Oh dear. And then, what's his name? Uh, what's, yeah, what's we have the Spirit, we have the Phantom, we have the Shadow. That was it too. Isn't there a live action Tick with Patrick Warburton? Like. Yeah, there's a there's a lot going on. We could always cover that show. That's what I'm saying. There's so much out there um, that it, it it is kind of our job. With great uh, power comes great responsibility. It's our job to sift through the wade through the crappy water and find some treasure. Uh, underneath and i think i do think we both found some um renewed respect for some of these films that have taken place a long time ago in general um oh, 100% a lot of respect for the superman franchise more now 
But if you guys want to go back and listen to us talk about good films, you can do that by going to comicbookclick.com, which is the one stop for everything Comic Book Click. Our articles, our merchandise, every single episode of the Major Issues podcast has over 140 episodes, which is over, it's probably over 280 hours of content. Uh, just talking about the latest and greatest to come to comic books and comic book media. We're also across all social media, facebook.com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, and you can use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. We're also at Major Issue CBC on Twitter, and I believe you have a Twitter as well. It is, it's like everything of that. Like, I just, I'm just keep fluctuating. Your Twitter knows it's Twitter Dan handles. CBC. Okay. Uh, I think my Twitter handle is. Dan Comic Book Man CBC. <laughs> Something uh, like that. <laughs> yeah. I know I have to I'm, I'm going to start putting CBC on a lot more things because okay. I want people I want people to know know that, you know, like I want people to know who I am. Yeah. It's on my it, it, you go to my my personal Instagram and it says co-host major issues podcast and uh, all that all that stuff. Yeah, it's crazy how much of this has become our identities, you know, doing this for so long and I love it each and every uh moment each and every episode it's it's always a fun thing to do especially now where everyone's so isolated to still be able to uh do this and have this fun i think that that ultimately um is why we do all this each and every week but yeah go to comicbookclick.com um you can also find the major issues podcast wherever podcasts are found that's podbean stitcher podcast addict the apple podcast app the google podcast app tune find iheart youtube spotify we are anywhere podcasts are found quickest way to find us is go to major type major issues podcast inside google and we'll be the first ones to pop right up because we're always talking about the newest hottest latest and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media um so yeah uh, last thing i want to ask you guys to do is you can quickly rate and review us on itunes you can do it on your device that you're on you can do it usually in any program you're listening to us in you can uh rate and review us on itunes which is the quickest way for us to grow as podcasters learn what you like learn what you don't and increase our audience because if we get five star reviews we'll be recommended to those who are looking for the kind of content that we're trying to put out and that's half of the battle here we have all this great content we're just trying to make sure that we get it to the people who are interested in this kind of uh tomfoolery if you will so go ahead like share subscribe rate and review um and we'll keep doing what we do which is bringing you guys a new episode of the major issues podcast every single wednesday free of charge we got some other big things coming down the pike so like i said follow us on all of our social media accounts but i think this will be the end of this episode in particular so my name is george serrano aka the don i am dan the comic book man and this has been our which was worse seven and remember, whether or not you're trying to stop nuclear war, whether your true weakness is sunlight, whether you don't leave home without the back credit card or are suffering from McGregor syndrome, remember, don't ever let R. Kelly do your soundtrack. And always remember that you, yes, you are worthy. <laughs>